Welcome one and all to episode 111 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And, and Justin, it's time. It's already time. The 2022 NFL Draft. It's time to start figuring things out. And we're we're here to help you through all of that. To start to get ready, get your watch list out. Um, prospects to know prospects to not know yeah we're gonna do all of that and we're, we'll get started tonight with episode 111 discussing uh you know kind of the top five right now uh quarterback prospects just maybe not justin and i's top five but kind of the guys that are being discussed as you know the quarterbacks to know heading into 2022 justin how are you doing tonight i'm doing awesome uh this is kind of a, a straying from what we used to do because we never used to really be people that would get into the early way too early mock draft stuff but this year we wanted to to get into it and get a jump on it and give some of our thoughts on how these projections might go before we get into it just want to give a shout out to our newest patrons um apologize if i already shouted him out but blake let's also give a shout out to ryan sean james maddie Tyler, our good buddy Jeremy, Pippa Poe, Alex Scott, and Jack. So thanks again, guys, for signing up for our Patreon. It's uh, $2 for uh, $2 a month to get our bonus weekly episode, $4 a month for all the extra bonus stuff. And I plan on posting some, some stuff later this week to kind of illustrate how each team drafted as far as athletic testing height, weight, and that kind of thing to see if if your team uh, had a pattern to drafting. So thanks, guys, for signing up. This week is kind of a two-part episode. So to get the second part, which is going to be all the non-quarterbacks that we're going to talk about, you'll need to sign up for that $2 tier, and we'll get you that bonus episode Thursday or Friday. So, Seth, we got uh, – you know, I was I was talking to Robert, our producer, before the show, and I was talking about the concept of these way too early mock drafts, and what this is. I call it when you are blessed by big draft, right? Like these are already players that are identified before any fall football gets played as potential first round picks. They go in that way too early mock draft, and many of them. No matter what happens, no no matter what happens during the regular season, or maybe with their combine, or if they get injured, many of them still stick in that first round area for their grades for those big draft uh, evaluators when it comes time. So we're going to start with quarterbacks tonight, and then later this week we'll get into the rest of the players that we're seeing appear in these way too early mock drafts. And like I said, give you some kind of idea of what might go right what might go wrong with some of these guys yeah and it's interesting because right now we're already getting the debate you're you're already seeing the conversation about the draft in and of itself and the class in and of itself the 2022 class and well this guy you know that he can he could stand up to the 2021 class he could stand up to you know this prospect and that prospect and and it's interesting because when you talk about standing up to or where they fit in or any of that nonsense, the reality is we haven't even seen how the 2021 class stands up to where they were picked. Like, so we don't even know if, 
I mean, we're expecting Trevor Lawrence to be good. We don't know. Uh, we don't know if Zach Wilson's going to be the guy that breaks the curse for the New York Jets. We don't know any of this stuff. Um, you know, did the did the San Francisco 49ers trade three first-round picks for a bust in Trey Lance? Like, and, and so it's interesting, as you say, that we're already getting the who could stand up or who who would have fit into the 2022 class or the who from the 2022 class would fit in the 2021 class. And as you said, are getting the blessing of, of the other draft uh, Knicks from around the, the web. And once, once players get those uh, blessings from the big draft guys, from guys that I'm talking about, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, um, you know Daniel Jeremiah. You can even put it, uh, put Matt Miller in there now. He's he's got his own site going. He's got he's got uh, he's get, getting uh, airtime on ESPN. When those guys talk about players, they get locked in. Dan Brugler's another one for the Athletic. Those guys are the tastemakers when it comes to draft prospects, and uh, we we joke about it, but you'll see in early October, for example, last year Christian Derrissaw made an early appearance in one of Dane Brugler's mock drafts. And it was funny because you could see all the draft Knicks tweeting out thoughts on Christian Derrissaw and little, little uh, video snippets all throughout the day as if they all didn't, didn't just see Dane's mock draft earlier in the day. It, it, it's just, it's a sight to behold. It's always funny to see it. And um, so we're going to get in on the action too and give some of our thoughts on some of these guys that the tastemakers have already deemed more of a first round pick. So let's get started. The, the, the way we kind of did this was we, we went through some early 22 mock drafts, 2022. That's going to be, a, I'm, you guys can have a new shot game. Cause I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this ever 2022 mock drafts and who, who the quarterbacks were that were selected we also are going off of something interesting that um, was sent to me in that the guys that win the Heisman or, or our Heisman finalists tend to go um, high in the draft and, and or Heisman favorites, excuse me, early on. So we looked at those guys that were obviously draft eligible being one of the big things. Um, Spencer Rattler is right now the odds on favorite to be the Heisman Trophy winner for the college football season. Rattler is also pretty much locked in to every first round um, mock draft that we've seen. Is he the kind of big draft can't miss guy um, of this class? Or do you think that his struggles early in the season for the, for the Oklahoma Sooners, along with his size might, you know, be something to watch as opposed to the guy just getting the blessing as, as, you know, the next Oklahoma, great Oklahoma quarterback. I think he's sitting pretty 
to be the number one quarterback and probably, you know, if you're the number one quarterback, you've got a good chance of being the number one overall pick in the upcoming draft. So he's in great position to do that because he, not only is he a Heisman favorite, he is a Lincoln Riley quarterback. We saw those guys, uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray go number one overall back to back. He got Jalen Hurts going from a guy who lost his job at Alabama to a second round pick. And now Rattler has taken over since his freshman year. And he, he had, um, you talk about the early season struggles, you know, he had a, a game where he think, I think he threw three picks. He finished the season, 28 touchdowns, seven INTs. Um, and he's sitting there, he's, he's doing it as a passer. He did have six rushing touchdowns, but you know, the guy's got mobility, but he's not a big time runner that uh, you might have seen out of Hertz or, or Kyler. Um, but he's getting, he's, he's in that friendly, that quarterback friendly offense. He talked about his size. He's listed at 6'1", 210, which is almost 40 pounds heavier than where he was coming out of high school. So the size, I don't know that it's going to be a, a, a big issue, um, especially when you see a guy like Murray, who's 5'9", and change, going number one overall out of this same program. So I think Rattler's in really good position. It's going to be tough to unseat this guy, especially as we go through these other guys on the list. You talked about his finishing stats. It, it was kind of incredible, his season, because Oklahoma, one of the top programs, they're, they're going into the season number one this year, by the way. Um, and he opened up the season with an incredible performance against Missouri State. Kind of, Everybody kind of shrugged their shoulders, rolled their eyes, like, okay, let's see what he does. And then the next two games he goes out and Oklahoma loses, which is, I mean, our producer Roberts, an Oklahoma Sooners fan, do you even remember the last time the Sooners lost back-to-back regular season Big Twelve games? Usually, I'm blacked out that, at that point. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, and, and so they, I mean, they lose to Kansas State and at Iowa State. Rattler has six touchdowns and four interceptions. Um, the rest of the season he throws three interceptions. And so if your first and only taste of Spencer Rattler as a, you know, college starting quarterback was that Kansas state, Iowa state kind of back to back, let's be honest, not great performance by him. Um, you're going to be like, wait, this is the dude. Like this is the guy this year four interceptions in those two games, three, the rest of the season. And I know it was against the big 12, um, against Florida. He was 14 of 23, 247 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he, he, you know, bounced back from that Iowa state loss and he had a great game completing 65% of his passes for 272 yards and a touchdown in the in the big 12 championship i mean you're talking about a guy that just improved uh so much and we have to remember he he only had minimal games as a freshman at oklahoma where he um he got he had 11 pass attempts in 2019 you know 
playing um, for Oklahoma behind Jalen Hurts. And so it's not crazy that his first two big games were maybe, you know, not great. And, and so I think Rattler's going to be the guy to beat this year. He's, that's, he's going to be the guy that has to, somebody has to overtake him. Uh, a lot of people think that Sam Howell of North Carolina is that guy. Um, you look at what he's done as a freshman and sophomore at North Carolina. Uh, as a freshman, he threw for 3,600 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. As a sophomore in one last game, he threw for just under 3,600 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, and seven interceptions again, uh, while improving his completion percentage from 61% to 68%. Um, listed at 6'1", 225, running that North Carolina offense, growing that team, you know, over the last couple years under Mac Brown, what does Hal provide? And is he, you know, is he good enough to unseat Rattler as the guy in this draft class? I don't think so. I, I don't think he's going to be a, a, I don't think he's going to be a good enough athlete to uh, threaten Rattler for the top position in this class. So you, you mentioned his height, weight. I think he's listed some places you see him at 6'2", some places at 6'1", 225. He's got that stockier build. So he has already drawn some comparisons. When people watch him, he, he sort of looks like he's built like Baker Mayfield, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, but the, the thing is, even though, you know, when we talked about Mayfield, and this was during our hiatus when, when Mayfield uh, – was being drafted number one overall, but he was a guy athletically that I thought matched up to like a Chase Daniel. He was never going to be that big time runner. So he had to make adjustments to He's going to have to make adjustments to his game. He's just not, you, you see Baker sometimes making plays with his feet, but that can't be a big part of his game. Well, Sam Howell, he's not even on the Mayfield level of athleticism because when you look at where he was he was 225 pounds coming out of high school as well. His his body type hasn't changed, and while he's honing his skills as a passer, and I think he's doing, a, I think he's played very well, and I think he's uh, he's got some skill as a passer, but I don't think his athleticism is going to be there. He ran a 5:07:40 coming out of high school. Even if he's imp able to improve on the 40 time by a couple tenths of a second, that's he's still going to be on the slower end, uh, below average speed for a quarterback these days. And uh, he just doesn't have that explosiveness, that explosive strength. I know uh, one of the indicators that people talk about when you, you look at athletic testing for quarterbacks, some of the things that stand out are the shuttle times and the broad jump. And it doesn't look like he has that kind of juice in his legs or that kind of agility. So where he sometimes can threaten a defense with his legs in college, it's not going to happen at the pro level at all. So I don't see him threatening. Um, uh, I don't see him threatening Rattler for the top spot in this, in this draft. And I think he's a guy who's going to be, you know, he's got, I, I texted Seth yesterday. I said, he's got Kyle Trask level athleticism. It looks like when it's going to come down to the testing. So it's going to be interesting to see if Howell is a guy who gets nitpicked 
as the year goes on. He's going to have to be perfect this year to maintain this blessed status, I think. The biggest thing for me to watch with Hal, and it's going to be interesting, he had Diami Brown, Daz Newsom both drafted. He had Javante Williams and Michael Carter both drafted. Um, he lost four players that were drafted into the NFL. That's, and and I get it, that's going to be something that if he struggles after three or four games, that, that excuse has to go away. Like he, if he is truly a guy that's going to elevate talent and be a guy that you're building around after, after the first three or four games that those excuses are gone. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot for him because he is going to have to play with a new, new supporting cast. I do know uh, that he has another, he'll have another year of eligibility if things go a little bit off this year. But, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. He could be a guy where he it just doesn't quite click, and he might just try and, and cycle back and go back for twenty twenty three. Though, um, and that's the unfortunate thing with the with the rules the way they are. Sam Howe can't just leave school while he's hot like the other guys that he was just playing with. All those guys that you mentioned got drafted within the first four rounds, and uh, you know the, there was really a lot of a lot of. Uh, buzz around those guys there's a lot of buzz around the whole offense and and how doesn't get to take advantage of that because of the ncaa and nfl rule the next guy on the list an interesting guy because statistically speaking he's not he's not in the same realm as as hal or rattler but desmond ritter gonna be a a true senior out of cincinnati Six four two fifteen. Where does he fit in for you? It looks like he's, you know, many people are putting him as the quarterback three in this class, and uh, I have, you know, just questions about that. I, I'm not sure. I haven't been able to to nail down a birth date for him. I know it's, uh, it was uh, his birthday is August thirty first. Not quite sure if he was born in ninety nine or ninety eight. But um, either way, he's going to be 23, 24 years old as he enters the NFL after this coming season. And Ritter is a is a really good uh, – he looks good as a runner compared to these other guys that we talked about. I know Rattler has great mobility. It just doesn't take a big advantage of it. But Ritter, we've seen bust out long touchdown runs with his legs. He's an interesting guy. I w- I've watched Cincinnati enough that I would never – you know, in my mind, I never pictured him as a big-time quarterback prospect. And then some draft nicks were starting to prop him up toward the end of last season. Well, he opts to come back to Cincinnati this year, and I think you're going to see his stock fade throughout the year. I think he's going to end up being more of a, uh, you know, he, he. I think he's got a good chance to be a senior bowl invite, but I think he's going to be more of a mid-round pick, maybe late day two to, to uh, early day three because he's coming out of the group of five. He's got, you know, he's going to be older than these other quarterbacks that are coming out. Uh, but he did have uh, last year tw- 19 touchdowns passing, six INTs. He Im- improved his completion percentage a great deal, up to 66%. It was down in the 50s before that. 
And he rushed for 12 touchdowns, and he averaged six yards a carry. He had over 500 rushing yards, where the, the last two guys we talked about, how averaged, like, uh, you know, he gets sacked quite a bit, so his rushing average gets knocked down. He's about one yard per carry career. Rattler, surprisingly, is under uh, was under two yards a carry last year with the sacks that he took. So, um, Ritter, I, I don't, I don't see, I didn't see it last year when people were trying to pump him up uh, as a p- player that might declare, and I don't really see this year where he's going to be able to improve his stock all that much. The. The interesting thing with Ritter is, and I know people hate this, but he's won a lot. Uh, 2018, 11-2. And 2019-11-3. And, um, and then, of course, last year had the fantastic season. Um, Cincinnati has, you know, kind of become one of the top group of five um teams and they lost to Georgia and that's Ritter the magic did. of uh, of former Buckeye and former Ohio State player and former interim head coach Luke Fickle making magic <laughs> and, over there. And and the interesting thing was Ritter didn't play that poorly against Georgia, but I think you did see limit his limitations at Georgia. Would you not agree with or verse against Georgia, would you not agree with that? When players get when players uh, from these group of five schools get matched up, you know they don't have the supporting cast to compete man for man against these bigger schools. So that's that is going to cause a problem. You know, to me, off the top of my head, I can't re- remember that performance, but I know that just in general, speaking in general terms, that's where a lot of these guys, you know. I don't want to say get exposed, but that's where a lot of this, the warts tend to show up. And we saw it even with Baker Mayfield when he played Georgia in the college football playoff. Their speed was a lot for him to handle early on. Like he kind of turned it around in the second half and picked things up. But by then, sometimes it's too late. And that was certainly the case with the Oklahoma that year. Talking about going from a big program to a group of five Liberty quarterback Malik Willis um, really intriguing prospect 6'1", 215 was an was an SEC guy at Auburn um, and then decided to transfer set out the 2019 season and then played in 2020 so he's going into his you know fifth season He's going to have some questions um, about his age that because he'll be, what, 23 when he's drafted now? He will uh, turn 23 in May of 99 is what I have. So if, if anyone's listening and has a different date of birth for him, let me know. Um, yeah, we'll so certainly May of, update. May of 22. So, yeah, before he gets into the NFL, he'll be a 23-year-old rookie. Right. Um, which isn't a death knell for quarterbacks, but when no, you 23 at, is not bad. 24 would be where you're getting into the danger zone, just historically speaking. So when you look at what he did at Liberty last year, he had a really good year, and then um, they played Coastal Carolina, and the wheels kind of came off. Um, his two bad games were against the two best teams he played. Um you combine that with, um, you know, age and having to play 
the Liberty schedule, which of course is not his fault, something he can't control. Um, what are your thoughts on Willis? Is he a guy that can make a Trey Lance type of leap um, as a, you know, quote unquote, small school guy, or is he more of a uh, day two type of, of quarterback? Yeah, I, I don't think he'll make a Trey Lance type of leap, although I did see him mocked. I can't remember. I apologize. I can't remember what site it was, but it wasn't like it wasn't like Walter Football or something like that. It was one of the bigger sites that I will check on for these types of things. It might have been. It may have been Yahoo, um, but I can't quite remember. But anyway, he was ranked. He was drafted in the mock sixth overall, and and I, you know, that to me, there's no way that's going to happen. I don't think Malik. I love. I actually really like this guy a lot because I watched probably more Liberty than I should admit to last year because they were one of the teams that were playing week to week. And he's a really exciting player because he has legit 4-4 speed. So he's a fantastic dynamic runner. He rushed for almost 1,000 yards last year. And he has a rocket arm. And he makes some really, really exciting plays. So I think yeah, I'm going to I'm going to end up liking him quite a bit. I was surprised though that as more and more people start to catch on to him, you know, it's one of those things where the rocket takes off. And and then sometimes people get a little out over their skis and where they're ranking him and I think that's what we see when we see him as a as the 6th overall pick in a mock draft. There's that account out there on Twitter still uh goes by Angry Scout or Angry Scout 2, one of those one of those uh, anonymous guys that claims to be a, a, a real NFL scout. He's tweeting out there, and he says, hold the phone on Willis. This guy, we have a, a fifth-round grade on him. A lot of teams are not high on him like Twitter is. I believe that. I do believe that because I think NFL teams would be late to the party on a guy like this, but I don't, I, and I think he's going to end up going higher than fifth round, but I don't think he's going to go all the way with, with the Trey Lance. He hasn't quite been blessed in the same way that Trey Lance was to the point where Draftnik's flat out excused the uneven performance of, of Lance through the 2019 FCF, FCS playoffs and that one solo game that he played in, in uh, 2020. It, none of that mattered when it came to Trey Lance. That's what I mean by being blessed. Malik Willis doesn't have that uh, panache. He doesn't carry that same, that same energy that they had with Lance. The final guy that we're going to discuss is, well, I mean, they just all hail from, you know, quarterback you at this point, And that's the, the state of Arizona, Keaton Slovis out of USC. So two of the top five guys, Spencer Rattler and, and Keaton Slovis played high school football in Arizona. The big, or sorry, the Pac-12 was a mess in 2020. Um, from struggling to get games going to, you know, struggling to keep games scheduled, struggling to keep practices going. It, it was a little bit of a disaster last year. Um, that being said, Slovis definitely took steps backwards after what can only be described as a, you know, really, really 
underrated freshman season in 2019. Um, again, how he played about half the amount of games in, in 2020, but he completed nearly 72% of his passes for just over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. So again, he played 12 games as a freshman. As a sophomore, six games. The numbers that you look at that are concerning are 67. That was his completion percentage. So uh, a nearly 5% drop. 67 is still really good. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. It's still actually very good. But a 5% drop in completion percentage is something to watch. But more concerning was he threw seven interceptions in six games. Um, to go from nine as a true freshman to seven is in, in only six games last year is a bit concerning. Yet you're seeing him with expectations. What is, is he a guy that you can see being a day one quarterback or was last year just one of those years that if, if he comes back and plays well, you go, you know what? A lot of stuff out of his control didn't play well, understandable. Well, we see where, where guys can be forgiven. Look at Zach Wilson, who threw 12 touchdowns and nine picks as a sophomore after he had that like phenomenal bowl game where he was 18 for 18 as a freshman. He comes back, he's dinged up he he uh doesn't have a great season as a sophomore but then he comes and lights up a really you know easy peasy schedule that they had set up for BYU he lights him up for the most part and he ends up being the number two overall pick Slovis doesn't get that benefit you know he's not going to see that kind of schedule this year he's still going to see a regular Pac-12 schedule and they're out of conference schedule scheduling is going to be a bit more back to normal this year than it was in 2020 uh, so I'd be concerned about Keaton Slovis. I think of the five guys that we're talking about right now, uh, uh, relatively speaking, to where his stock was, to where I think it will end up, I think he's going to be the one that, that falls the most. Um, he's going to have to really, really outplay <clears throat> what he did last year. You look at yards per attempt went way down to 7.3, which is very average for a college quarterback. He's not a threat to run with his legs. He's got negative rushing yards for his career. Again, sacks factor into that, but if you're if you are a mobile guy, if you're a good runner, if you're dangerous with your legs, you don't end up with negative rushing yards. That's one of the indicators that people watch out for. And um, in recent years, I think uh, Jared Goff is one of like the few guys who who uh, scouts kind of overlooked the negative rushing yards to to draft. And you see what happened with Goff. He ends up uh, his the team that drafted him uh, number one overall ends up trading him within a few years uh, right after extending his contract. So, yeah, I, I'm I think Slovis is it's almost like the Josh Rosen syndrome, where he looked really great as a freshman and then he kind of plateaus. So it, he's going to have to take a, a leap here in year three. But you look at uh, another quarterback that transferred away. We're not going to get in depth with him, but JT Daniels was hurt. Slovis took over. Daniels transfers now to Georgia, and Daniels is going to be able to get a, a shot starting for Georgia this year. It's going to be really, really fascinating to see how scouts look at those guys head-to-head -head this year. 
Before we finish up the free episode of uh, the original Drift, Draft Breakdown podcast, we have to, as always, get back to our hot takes. And, and we're going to stay in the quarterback realm of things. Um, going back to the 2021 NFL Draft, we you know are discussing... Justin and I never bought the Mac Jones hype. Uh, we never bought that he was, that was the reason the San Francisco 49ers traded up for the third pick. Um, we should fess say, up that we, we did get the pick wrong. Um, yeah. We, we, I, we, we dug in on, on fields being the pick, but we had the right, wrong guy, right idea. They still wanted a more dynamic guy, right? Yeah. And so uh, it was interesting post-draft because Lombardi basically um, poo-pooed anybody that would say that he was wrong uh, before the draft. You don't know my sources. They're, you know, rock solid, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he flat out challenged everybody. Michael Lombardi, former Browns GM, uh, Bill Belichick buddy, uh, you know, guy, a guy who did podcasts with the ringer for Bill Simmons. I mean, this guy, he was acting like he's the most plugged in ever on this. And, uh, that's where the take comes from. And so he was in a radio interview with Jason McIntyre of Fox sports radio. Um, and he had this to say, I'm not buying it was Trey Lance all along. Anybody you talk to in the NFL that has sources, they aren't buying that either. San Francisco can say it was Trey along. That's a crock of crap. They traded up to get Mac Jones, and the outside pressure became really bad. There's a less than 0% chance that the NFL cares about what anyone on Twitter or doing talk radio thinks about a pick before it's even made unless that person has a gas mask bong video <laughs> come out or there are things uh you know that come out that show him to be you know a kkk member or you know that he's you know into selling meth or i mean like there there's no way that a team gives a crap what guys on podcasts or on Twitter or that right for SB nation think they don't care. I mean, not only do they not care, they probably don't even know what idiots like us are saying. <laughs> they, I mean, I'm sure they all listen to our podcast, but even still, do you think, I mean, are we really supposed to believe that, uh, you know, Adam Schefter was saying up until a few days before that it was going to be Mac Jones. Does he have, less influence than than a bunch of uh, smaller time draft Knicks who are questioning the uh to questioning the motivation of picking mac jones versus a trey lancer versus a justin fields do, does do uh does the draft breakdown the original draft breakdown podcast have more pull than chris sims who is touting mac jones as the pick than michael lombardi who is saying it was going to be mac jones we you know the draft Knicks on our you know, on our level, the people on Twitter with, uh, you know, 10,000 to 30,000 followers, they're not 
influencing the San Francisco 49ers. They're not talking Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch out of a pick that they traded, you know, three first round picks for. They're not the the Niners didn't get scared off because a bunch of draft nicks were like, "Are you seriously taking Mac Jones over Justin Fields or or Trey Lance? That doesn't make sense." Even you know, Dane Brugler was saying he thought it was going to be Lance all along. Were were they listening? Were they influenced by Dane to go off their pick for Mac Jones? Or if you listen to what Kyle Shanahan was saying all along, that he wanted a player with more dynamic athleticism, that that's what they were trying to do. And, and that's what they ended up doing in taking Lance over Mac Jones. I think it's... Uh, you know, I, I think Lombardi can be an entertaining guy at times, but I think this is just kind of an arrogant take. Yeah, and never forget, and this is how we'll kind of end this show, Lombardi doesn't think the Cardinals will take Kyler Murray with the number one pick in the draft. They hired Cliff to fix Josh Rosen, not to draft Kyler Murray. At the end of the day, to me, that's the main part of this whole thing. So, <laughs> remember... Lombardi that's the hottest, on, that's the hottest on, take of the day. On draft day, was still saying it was not going to be Kyler Murray. Um, you can be an XGM and still, well, let's be honest, there's a reason you're an XGM. And, so. and, and I think there's some guys, you know, Lombardi is, is a guy, again, I find him entertaining. And I think in some ways they, got, they didn't get uh, a, a great opportunity to see their plan through in Cleveland when they were there, but... You know, he, there were a lot of leaks out of that organization when he was the GM, too. So, you know, it's possible people were, you know, they know that he's going to tell people what he's hearing. Uh, San Francisco probably didn't want that out there. That's it for us on this episode of the Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday or Friday with the second part of the show. Make sure you sign up to become a Patreon uh, $2 to get the bonus episode, $4 to get our original draft content written as well as the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening as always, and we'll be back later this week. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean... I don't know yet. We pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um